Welcome to Positivity Strategist, a podcast that injects a good deal of optimism and possibility into your life at home and at work. Conversations with thought leaders and everyday people shine the light on what works and amplifies those everyday micro moments of positivity, irrespective of what else is going on. You'll be energized by lots of practical tips, inspiring you to live a truly satisfying and meaningful life. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 54 of Positivity Strategist. I'm your host, Robin stratton Burkessel. Today, my guest is Susan McDonald, who specializes in the educational sector, and she works with educators and leaders to completely transform the quality of education. One of the ways that she does this is through appreciative inquiry. So I'm very excited to explore more about her work and particularly how she's using AI. Susan, thank you very much for being here today. It's a pleasure, Robin. I'm very excited about this topic and the work that I'm doing and happy to share. Wonderful. That's what we want to hear. (laughs) So let me just give a little bit of background about Susan and then Susan can expand on that as we get into our conversation. So Susan has a consultancy that's called Inspiring New Perspectives, and she provides vision-focused leadership support for early childhood educational programs. Susan's been developing and delivering inspirational courses and workshops for over 25 years. Now, later in 2016, Susan's book will be published, and the title of her book is Inspiring Early Childhood Leadership, Eight Strategies to Ignite Passion and Transform program quality. Some wonderful words in that title, Susan. <laughs> Thank you. It was, a, it was a bit of a juggle to get them all in there. <laughs> I know. So for, um, you know, for people finding your book, it's great to have those good keywords, right? Absolutely. Uh, so how I came to meet Susan is a really lovely story. Um, Susan contacted me via email requesting permission to use one of the workshops in my book, which is called Appreciative Inquiry for Collaborative Solutions, 21 Strength-Based Workshops. And the workshop that Susan was seeking permission to modify somewhat and use was entitled Flourishing Communities. And in that email, Susan also shared, um, which delighted me, she said, I find your AI workshop outlines very helpful for engaging school leaders and educators in meaningful dialogue. And therefore, she wanted to use one, um, include one in her book. So who doesn't like to receive positive feedback? (laughs) I'm always happy to hear from satisfied customers. And I'm very interested to hear more about how Susan is using my workshops and what works for her. I mean, that's really fabulous feedback for me. But Susan, first, before we dive into that, I'd love it if you would share a little bit about your story, about the work that you're doing, um, particularly in leadership in the early childhood educational space, and maybe also how you got there. So would you like to just kind of take it from there and share a little bit about you and your story? Sure. I'll keep it as brief as I can, but it's a really interesting journey because positivity, strength-based approach is something that I was literally born into. My mother was a family child care provider outside of Boston for 42 years, and she cared for children in our community, in our neighborhoods, and just really tried to reach out to families that needed her and needed you know, inspiration to get through those challenging early childhood years. 
So I grew up believing deeply in the power of impacting people's lives. And I started my career after going to college for an early childhood degree, working for the state and really finding opportunities to promote this strength-based approach, help programs grow and change. But as I aligned with the bureaucracy and tried to do the work that was required of me, I felt that I was actually on a very negative path. The work was set up in a way to go into programs and tell them exactly what they were doing wrong, give them a letter about how they should fix it, and go to the next program and do the exact same thing. And my frustration for that was immediate. You know, this wasn't the, the way I wanted to work with programs. It wasn't the way I wanted to transform them. So I quickly switched my work to really finding ways to provide training and workshop and consultation to programs and went on to get a degree in instructional design and design trainings that were meaningful. But I'd say the most pivotal turning point for me was finding coaching work and really understanding the coaching, you know, taking people from where they are to where they want to be. And I became certified in coaching through a few programs that have deeply inspired my work. One is the IPEC Institute for Professional Excellence in Coaching and really understanding positive energy and energy leadership through their work. And then I found the evocative coaching work of Bob and Megan Chanamoran and their byline of their book, Evocative Coaching, is transforming schools one conversation at a time. And how to step into positive strength-based conversations was really exciting to me. And within that book, there's a whole chapter on appreciative inquiry. And that was my first time of seeing the words, putting it together, understanding that that was my intent of my work for many years, but I didn't have an umbrella to kind of hold it under. And I just fell in love and did a lot of research, lots of reading, lots of work. And in that process, I found your book. And I'd say that was three or four years ago. And it just immediately connected me to so many topics. The work that I'm doing in early childhood of building strength-based communities, inspiring strength-based leadership, helping people be positive and respectful in communities was all living in your book. And finding ways to bring that out to people in a way that was fun, invigorating, challenging in some ways, um, from the very first time that I put this out there and used one of the workshops, it was an immediate, this is where I need to bring mm -hmm. this work. So I've really, I've really had great fun with the work. And I was going through some of my own workshops to sort of refresh my memory. But I think kind of top down, bottom up um, in this work, I have worked with government agencies that received a lot of our race to the top money that President Obama put out to improve early childhood and held a summit for all the people that received that money to really think about how they were collaborating with each other to move the work forward, that they weren't just taking their pot of money and just doing their little thing, that we wanted this to be collaborative and we wanted it to be transformational. So taking the appreciating collaboration workshop and bringing it to that level, and I actually had to apply to the state for a a grant and go through an approval process. And it was challenging because 
the appreciative inquiry work was not well known with them. And they kind of thought, what is she talking about? Mm -hmm. We want to fix this uh, kind of approach. But we got the grant and we did the work and we got a beautiful site in a children's museum in Boston and just had an amazing day. And how many of those people left there transformed, had different relationships with their colleagues at these, you know, kind of executive level uh, positions in our field was really important. But I think what what I treasured with that was the number of people that said, I need to bring this back to my agency. We need to be doing this. We need to be thinking like this. So that kind of big picture was very powerful. But where I see, uh, to me, you know, just magical transformation is when you can have a whole school together. So if I have an all-staff training day and have people together to really think about creating a flourishing community. What would their program look like at the very best? What could they be doing? What could their colleagues be doing? What could administration be doing? Just challenging them to think outside of the box, gather up those three wishes, move that work forward, and have those playful interactions of of skits and role plays um, add to me, both lightness, but also intensity at the same time of getting their messages out there is really, um, to me, the heart of the transformation that's happening in programs. And people want more. I find I do leadership work with maybe a group of school leaders, and then they want to bring it to individual programs and do their whole school. Oh, we have to do this in our program. We want to take this. We want to talk about this. So, um, that's been, you know, really powerful. The other piece of the work that I find I, I weave this in in one of your workshops is fabulous. We're not going to transform program quality if we don't transform relationships and how people are living together in trust and in positive energy and seeing the best in each other is a challenge in school environments. So taking the respectful relationships workshop and really aligning that with what we know about best quality, aligning that what we know about best practice in the field has had a tremendous impact on everyone that's participated. So those are kind of my three favorites, you know, the three workshops that I, I go to, although I've used many others, those ones are foundational to the work that I'm doing. Oh, my goodness, you've offered so much in that um, and answered a lot of questions that I had of you. (laughs) Um, But some of the things that kind of stand out for me, Susan, is that you talk about, you know, starting with conversations, you know, one conversation at a time. I think that is so key. Mm -hmm. And the value, as we know, you know, with appreciative inquiry is it starts with the discovery interview where you do get to hear somebody else's story and you listen and you then share your own listening to another group of people. Um, So at what point, so that's one thing I wanted to um, draw out of what you've been saying and then the relationship part. I think that's really key too. It, It really serves as a beginning to start to focus on relationships and strengthen relationships and understand that it's through the relational process that we actually um, learn to grow, learn to value each other and learn to think, well, we can, we can do this stuff, right? 
Absolutely. Um, and the other, actually, the third one's just come to me too, where you people go through this experience. I mean, I always describe appreciative inquiry as an experience. You, I think, you need the experience, and you've you've kind of expressed why that's so. But once they've had the experience, it's like we need to do this in our organisation. We need to take this further. So that's often. I mean, often it's usually the outcome that comes from it, right? So this kind of worked so well. It was inspiring. I feel heard. I feel energized. I feel I can do this. So I need to bring it to my community, to my family, to, you know, my organization. Mm-hmm. Wow. So why don't you just say a little bit about, you know, what I mean, I've talked about the discovery interview. What from your background, what is it that is the magic in using this approach? Well, I think it's multi-level. I think it is that, you know, people need to be seen and heard. And when you have high-stress groups, groups of people that are working together but not working with each other, having the time to just sit down and have a meaningful dialogue, to be present, to be listening, to have their story heard, in and of itself is very empowering for people. I encourage people to find someone in the in the group that they have talk to the least so they're building mm-hmm. new relationships and give them the space and the time to really uh, be heard and that to me you know starts that chain reaction but I think there's such a positive flow of energy when people join the next level group when they go from that partner work to the groups of four six eight people mm-hmm. and they introduce their partner by their story it just reinforces that wow, they get me, they've heard me, they understand what I said was valued, what I said was important. And I think as people share those stories and then gather their key concepts, what were the key words, what were the key thoughts that came out of these conversations, it just flows. And the words that come out are so powerful, you know, to gather those key words Mm -hmm. and have people share back. Uh, what was what they said and how it related to who they are as an organization, who they are as an individual, um, and get that out there creates really that energy to go through the rest of the process. Yeah, and I think you're referring to after people have have shared stories and um, you know the interviewer tells a story of the person that they've been talking to. The, yes. Yeah. So that's the great value. And then out of that, we identify some of the themes related to the topic, right? Right. And so what we're really uncovering is the the assets, the capabilities, the strengths, what we call in our world the positive core, right? Right. So it's really interesting that you say that because I'm um, I'm teaching advanced applications of appreciative inquiry um, at the David L. Cooper Ryder Center for Appreciative Inquiry um, in the business school at Champlain College in Vermont, and um, my group of students at the moment have been asking questions. Well, what are you know what what are some of the themes? You know, what do you mean by themes? Mm-hmm. And so um, I you know I have my response, but I'd love to hear what what you would say if somebody says, well, what do you mean by that? You know, you, you kind of collect the themes. How, what, how do you do that? And what do you do with it? Well, I really encourage people to go big, you know, to have big flip charts and really gather up those key concepts, those, that positive core. Mm -hmm. And 
put them up there and look at them as a group, you know, for themselves. And then as the large group, what are the common messages? When people can walk away from an experience like this and really see what we value in relationships is trust, honesty, respect, open communication. These light bulbs are going off, that these become, you know, in essence, sort of the big rocks. What are the foundational principles of their work together, of what their focus is, whether it's on the community or on their individual relationships? And how do we start living them? How do we turn Mm -hmm. them into wishes for the organization? Um, But keeping them visible, I have to say one of my favorite stories about this, when we put up these words uh, in a school community, one woman was so struck by them and she came up and she said, these are beautiful. These are so beautiful. I'm going to quilt them for us. And she made this wall hanging for the entrance of their school that had all of those words about what it meant to be part of this community and keeping them out there, keeping them visible. Another group said that they were going to take the words and put photos with them. What did it actually look like? What did those principles look like? If we were going to be all that we could possibly be, what were those photos? And every month, a different group in the school uh, got to rotate the photos. So when you walked into the entranceway, you were struck by who we are, what we believe, what are those core values, what are those po- what's the positive core. And um, it's been really amazing to see that both in the dialogue, but also sort of people bringing it to life in a very visual way. Yeah. Thank you for sharing those two stories. I was looking for some, if you had some examples of what outcomes have resulted from this. So they're two very tangible ones. So that's pretty inspiring stuff. Um, And what about when people share with each other what they value about themselves? You know, that's one of the key questions. You know, what did you value about yourself in your story? Mm-hmm. How, how do you, you know, what, is, what are some of the stories you might have around how that Im- impacts people? Well, I think, you know, that's one of the hardest jobs for people is to actually go to their own positive core. If they're talking about the positive core of someone else or a relationship they had, but yeah. getting people to really reflect on what it, they brought to the table yeah. and what that is and giving them permission to do it and giving them space to do it is a very emotional moment for a lot of people. They want to skim over that. So I always remind people as we're going through that exercise to be sure and connect with that, to be sure and, and think about that. And what is that? key thing that you brought to that experience that maybe you could bring to this one and how did that bring you energy how did that bring you life so I see people I I love watching groups in this process because I see them light up Mm -hmm. you can tell when people are getting to that question when they finally kind of let the cat out of the bag you know what was my big contribution how did I impact the group the energy starts flowing in a very different way So I think, you know, as a facilitator, it's really important that you're living the principles as well and really reminding people and creating space and permission for people to do that because we're a very negative society. If you ask people to say what was the biggest flaw, you know, in their interaction, they'll go on and on. But when you ask them to go to the positive, it's really important that they know this is crucial to the process and valued in the process, that we're not going there. And every evaluation I have of these 
types of exercises, that sense of relationship building, focusing on the positive, everyone remarks about that in a big or small way. Yeah. And how significant and important is that for educators? Oh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's the heart of it all, right? Absolutely. If I, if I can't see the very best in myself and what I'm bringing forward, how will I do yeah. that yeah. for the teachers I'm working with, for the children and for the parents? Mm. You know, how we start living this in a way that we are focusing on the positive strengths of everyone in our community, whether we're talking about a challenging child, a, a stuck teacher, or a difficult parent, the more I can bring this work to them in a way that they see that bright light in everyone, that's when the magic starts happening. Mm. Yeah, that's right. And so who who are particularly, who are the people that you're actually working with when you talk about educators and leaders? So my work is predominantly focused in the early childhood field. Yeah. I really believe the, the biggest chance for growth and change in, in our society is to help young children and families, you know, at a very young age. But that is, is a broad focus. I could be in a large uh, multi-service community center that's doing teen parenting programs, literacy outreach, running early childhood programs, running infant-toddler home visiting. So there could be people in multiple hats with them under that program. I've worked with large school systems that we've had the superintendent of schools to the bus drivers thinking about how are they going to positively bring the early childhood programs into the public schools. I do work with independent schools and I do work with um, you know, multi-site childcare center sort of corporate chain type thing. So there's many models within that. If I'm working with leaders, I have a very vibrant leadership group in Boston that we were doing some of this work. We might have people from Head Start, people from public schools, people from independent schools, people from owner-operated schools. So you get a real mix of people wearing, you know, many different hats within the same field. Yeah. So are you still operating under the grant that you got? No, that grant was for that one project to really work with the leaders. Uh Um, So my work can be funded by different grants. We in Massachusetts have had a a tremendous amount of race to the top funding from the federal government. Mm -hmm. So people can use that in different ways. So some projects might be affiliated and drawing from that. Other projects might be independent. I actually worked with a group outside of Boston that got a local community change grant to do appreciative inquiry work on their standards of quality and whether they should be aligning with national standards or living their own mission and really thinking about the multiple layers of standards that are coming down in education and how they define you know, their own level of quality. So that was a really interesting grant and they're at, the funders are very excited to see what's going to come from this and, and what's the story uh, that's growing from it. Yeah, because my, I'm, I'm curious to know how you gather these people together to come to a, what is it, a workshop or a summit or a, what's the it language varies. you use? The, um, the leadership summit with the, the high-level state officials was definitely a summit. Mm-hmm. I run series. I run like eight-part um, groups for leaders on bringing passion and engagement, transforming program quality. And anytime I have a multi-day group like that, and that could go on like one day a month for eight months, 
I will do one day on appreciative inquiry Mm -hmm. and bring in one of the workshops. And, you know, oftentimes it's the respectful relationships one because the level of negativity, the level of gossip, the level of distrust in some of these organizations is crippling them. No matter what standards, no matter what level of quality they want to get to, if they don't start there, they're not going to be able to move forward in their quality initiatives. Yeah. Um, And so when you deliver the workshop, like Respectful Relationships, do you then, so they go through the experience, they go through the questions, right? Do you then talk, um, do you then introduce the the thinking or the methodology behind it or you don't go there? Oh, I absolutely do. Uh-huh. I give them a really great, um, you know, bibliography that they can explore the work further. Mm-hmm. I give them a frame up of appreciative inquiry and really try to build their foundation that we're not just doing this exercise, we're experiencing something that right. could really be transformational. So they get very, you know, excited about learning about this. And I feel in my field, we have lots of great conferences and national level work going on. But I was at a big national conference, had 150 top level people in in a conference room. And I asked, it was on Appreciative Inquiry. They all signed up and came. And I said, how many people here have ever heard of Appreciative Inquiry? And only one person raised their hand. Goodness me. And so I just feel like we have a lot of work to do. And they all left totally fired up Mm -hmm. and really excited about, you know, thinking about their work differently. And whatever it was in the description, you know, brought them to the to the conference room for the afternoon. But it just really struck me that just happened last month that we need to have this be a sort of known realize part of the courses that we're Mm -hmm. teaching um a fundamental piece of the work that educators are doing yes what about strength-based approaches is that a more familiar that's becoming that's becoming more familiar Uh and it's something i talk about a lot and i in massachusetts most of our courses either have to be college courses or ceu courses for people to use um, funding from the government so I've just written a CEU on strength-based communication to enhance professional growth. Mm-hmm. And, oh, my gosh, you know, people are just so excited about that, just changing that thought, just focusing on the strengths of their teachers to transform quality, that, that sense of going in and trying to put Band-Aids on things, fix little things, instead of really inspiring people to grow towards their strengths. Yeah. Yeah, inspiring and inspiration is a big word for you, right? I mean, it's it's, it's included in it. Gets, gets me out of bed in the morning. Absolutely. <laughs> and if they walk away with one, you know, great thought, one new resource that can help them be more inspirational as leaders, they're going to start the transformation, That's you know, nice. in their own world. Yeah. That's really nice. Um, yeah, well, you've, um, I mean, I'm just overjoyed to hear this because when we, when you, when you say that only one person put their hand up in the room, when you ask them if they'd heard about appreciative inquiry and that's kind of like, oh my, that's shocking almost. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. And I mean, I see that my mission is to make these, this approach, particularly appreciative inquiry and the depth 
that it has. I mean, you know, you talk about the principles and then there's the practice and then there's the process um, and all of this is to make it more accessible and popularize it. So when I published my book in 2010, it was probably the first kind of, and I'm using air quotes here, simple applications of appreciative inquiry that weren't big summits or weren't kind of academically based or weren't, um, you know, it was just more um, living in society and the day-to-day work and the kind of relationships that we have and the topics that were of value because my my context is more business and community, um, not education per se. And so it was, you know, what are the things that are really important for people to be able to focus on so that they can have more meaningful work, you know, feel that they're belonging, feel that they're contributing, feeling that they're heard and they have a point of view about and they actually want to move forward. So um, so that's where I'm about. I'm how do I make this more accessible, more popular, simple, that people get it and feel inspired to to look at themselves and the relationships and the world at large in a much more expanded, open, understanding, creative way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when I hear feedback from you, like, you know, you're, you're applying these workshops in your work and that's happening, that says to me, Robin, you're on track, keep going. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I just think we're at the very beginning stages, not not just in early childhood, but I think in life, I find so many people walk away from these workshops and these resources thinking about how they're living their life. What are they valuing? How are they celebrating? I love um, the video, Celebrate What's Right with the World. Oh, yes. Stuart Jones. So I try to, if I have time, to incorporate some of that, that what are we focusing on? What's here to celebrate instead of, oh, I don't have this, I can't go on that vacation or I can't do this, really focusing on what you have and valuing that. And people come up to me all the time and say, oh, this was awesome. I keep thinking about our school, but really, oh my God, my life or my kids or my relationship, that they're taking away concepts that are going to sort of spread this across our world, which has to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So, Susan, just coming back to um, when you applied for the grant, um, I'm curious to know um, how you generally, other than the workshops that you're designing and so, you know, you are introducing people to this experience um, and this worldview and the, you know, the potential practices that can come out of it. So what what are some of the ways that you found effective to speak to people who are not familiar and are not in your workshop, but who are the ones who will sponsor or say, yes, you know, I um, go ahead and use your approach here. So I, I guess what I'm trying to say is if you come up against and bump up against some initial resistance because there's not an understanding of, you know, what mm-hmm. you're really able to contribute here, how are you dealing with that you know, it's kind of how do you onboard people before they have any experience or knowledge that this is a valuable approach? I think the sense of aligning with what their intent is, which in most of the grants that I would go for, would be positive change. Uh-huh. They want this group to be more collaborative. They want people to relate. They want the funding to be shared. So finding the language that aligns with creating the positive outcomes that they want within the appreciative inquiry work is very easy because what 
appreciative inquiry does is help people get to positive outcomes. So I think creating that balance between really identifying the key issues that are addressed in, say, an RFP for a grant and bringing the language in in a way that helps them see this process will get them to their own desired outcomes. That is a fantastic response. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, absolutely aligning with what outcomes they're looking for and just the notion of positive change. Right. So that actually lights people up when you say when you they're looking for positive change. Well, they're often looking for change. Mm-hmm. And, and I have a funny conversation. I've worked with this guy now for a couple of years. I tease him about this. But someone called me from a large school organization and said, can you come in and observe for a few days this summer? We've heard wonderful things. And I said, you know, sure, John, I can come in, but what do you need me to do? Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, I want you to just hang around and take a look at things and let me know where the deadwood is so I can get them out of here. <laughs> oh, sorry, I didn't mean to laugh. <laughs> ah, well, I, I was sort of speechless. And I said, well, this isn't how I work. You know, this is the way I could do it. I could take this, you know, positive approach and really see where your strengths are and what you need to you know, support to move forward. Mm -hmm. And he said, thank you very much and hung up. Three months later, he calls back and he said, I don't think I understood at all what you were saying. Can you come in and meet with our team? And it was just enough time that I realized somebody did come in and probably point out where the deadwood was and nothing changed Mm -hmm. (laughs) that he wanted this new approach. And we did, an 86 educators did an amazing multi-day, you know, experience around this. Mm-hmm. Where do they want to go? What are their wishes? What are the strengths? What's their vision for the future? And every step of the way, you know, we're going to do these role plays and these skits. No one's going to do it here. We're going to talk about, they're not going to have any strengths to talk about. I said, well, we're just going to give it a try. So I had to kind of just handhold and really keep faith that I knew this was going to be a positive, you know, experience. And it was unbelievable, mm-hmm. you know, to see the energy, to see the sense, to see the commitment, to see where people wanted to take the program in a very positive way. He wanted positive growth and change, but the only way he knew how to get it was through these negative tactics of, you know, firing people, moving them on fixing these small problems mm-hmm. instead of looking at what they could do to really create the best environment for children and teachers and families. And, you know, it, it, I wrote about them a lot in my book. It's just a really great story to see where this can go. Yeah. That reminds me of a story um, that I'd like to share. Um, I was working with a client and it was a, a financial institution on Wall Street and they had just done a global rollout um, I don't know if I have this in my book. I don't think so because I think it was post that. But they had a global global rollout of a software program and, you know, that takes, you know, sometimes years and months of work and um, testing it out and then finally kind of, you know, working all weekend because that's the kind of time then you roll something out like that in in big corporations. And come Monday morning the leader of the team came in and said, well, you know, um, so what are the things that went wrong and we have to do? What were the weaknesses? And it was immediately you can see the energy drain. People are looking at their feet. They don't want to have eye contact with anyone because it starts to focus on, you know, who's to blame here. 
And so after the meeting, I said, you know, perhaps there's another way of doing that. What if you were to start the meeting by saying, hey, you know, we've all worked very hard. There are things that work. There are things that didn't work. Why don't we just start with the things that did work and the things that we're very proud of and some of the great feedback we got from our client. And then we'll address the things that maybe we might have to work on still because there's room for improvement. And it was like, oh, okay. Mm. Um, Just a very different energy, right? Just by choosing what you focus on because, you know, one of the principles is what you focus on grows. So you focus on the deficits, you'll find more deficits. You focus on the things that work, you'll find more of that. And I think, you know, that's one of the things that even with a very small change, when people start believing that, when they start seeing that if they focus on the strengths, they're going to get more strengths, the feedback on that is really tremendous that it's a tipping point for people. Wow, I tried this in one classroom. I tried this with one teacher. Once they experience success, they want more. It just grows. You know, it's, it's really fun to watch. Yeah. I love that you bring fun up quite a bit, the playfulness uh, of it. It is. And, you know, to see positive growth and change, to see people interact, I love the work of the Reggio Emilia schools. They're the finest early childhood schools in the world. And every one of their schools has the same sign inside the door, nothing without joy. And what they've created for children, for their community, based on that fundamental is so important. And how we create experiences where people are learning and growing with joy, with fun, mm-hmm. just really yeah. has to start growing. People that are in these very directive, negative environments yeah. are not growing and changing. Yeah. They're just stifled. Yeah. And you would obviously know the work of um, Peter Gray, right? Just not not as in-depth as I know uh, others. But okay. On the surface. Yeah, because we are on the same TED stage actually when I did my TED talk and he did his. And because the theme of of this TEDx conference um, in my local area, Navisync, was play. And so I found Peter Gray, or actually he was recommended to me by um, a colleague, and he came and talked about, you know, the the sadness that we don't have enough play in our educational Mm -hmm. system. Was and just stuff? in the community at large, so um, uh, he uh, so he um, he had a lot to offer there with regards to bringing back more play in our early childhood development. Yeah, and you know, I feel like if we're not doing it in early childhood, they're certainly not doing it in corporate America. You know, we should, <laughs> we know how to have fun. We play with children, you know. But when I I had a local board of a childcare program and the staff that were at very uh, butting heads odds. And I had them for a summit for a day and they said, oh, these people are like bankers and college professors. They're not going to play. They're not going to do the skits. They're not going to want. I said, oh, we just put it out there. It's an invitation. They were hilarious. Mm -hmm. I mean, the the ability for the educators to see these people who they see as kind of stuffy, briefcase carrying people, having fun, interacting. And then the outcomes of we all want the same thing. Everyone actually wants the very best for this program. There's no need for us to be clashing all the time. The intent of their work was the same. Um, help them really move forward in a whole new way. Yeah, so that just reminds me, um, when you get to the f- uh, second D, so the first one is discover, the second one is dream. So when you get to the second one, do you actually 
often bring in that playfulness and creativity and get people to do skits and do yes. fun things when they all the time. Great. No matter what level of group. And depending, you know, if the last week uh, when I was doing the summit around quality with the school, we were actually in a beautiful school building. I said, go get whatever dress up costumes, materials, you know, because we got classrooms full of this stuff. <laughs> so they were so awesome, you know, to see them really doing it, but bringing their three wishes to life, bringing in their core values. What, what are they saying? What music? And I always ask when I'm doing this work that this, the group has someone to videotape. Um, because being able to play those back at staff meetings, put a clip up to create a life of this work after the day is very, very important. That's fabulous. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, when I introduce this notion to, um, corporations, no, 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 you know, our executives won't do that. No, no, no. Yeah. And yet it releases, you know, and I, you know, I kind of, get there and say, well, let's just try it. <laughs> and um, just the release that comes from, you know, tapping into a different part of the brain and just letting go means such a difference. And then the energy in the relationships, the energy is released and then the relationships ships get stronger. So mm-hmm. it has a, a wonderful um, results when you allow that to happen or when people kind of let go. And uh, because, you know, it means that you have to start trusting one another. Trusting yourself and then trusting yes. each other. And that respect that someone's not going to make fun of me or tease yeah. me or say, oh, you were the chicken lady or, you know, <laughs> that we're going to go forward with this in the very best of intents. Yeah. So, Susan, I just wonder, um, with the limited time that we have left, would you like to just say a little bit about your book that's coming out? And I know it has, you know, it's eight strategies to ignite passion and transform program quality can you just give us some sound bites of what's in that? Sure. And it actually, you know, it sort of flows right from our conversation because what I'm trying to do is really help people step forward into positive change in a way that can impact quality across their programs with their teachers, but doing it in a way that brings in first and foremost strength-based approaches, having a positive vision if they don't know where they're going, other than I have to get to level three on some scale that someone gave me, what is your vision for quality? What does it mean to you to be at a higher level of quality? Get that ownership, get that shared perspective. And then almost every strategy, but the second strategy is the the heart of it, starts the infuse the positive energy. How are we bringing positive energy into the community? How are we bringing it to our professional development work, our staff meetings, How are we impacting the change process through being a positive, inspirational leader? Mm. So you're looking systemically then from, Uh, yeah? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it has to be, you know, for for this level of change to occur. We have a field that, you know, we have programs that are stuck in practices 40 and 50 years, very traditional Schools and what we know about brain development, what we know about organization of schools has changed so much, even in the last 10 years. How do we help people go from where they were to where we need to be to really support healthy development across all spectrums for children and families? So getting them to really be willing to to make that shift and step out of their boxes that are really, you know, 
sort of suits of armor, that change hasn't happened in these programs in a long time. And here's some strategies to go forward. Here's a way to move to the next level that's very holistic, that's very positive, and that you're going to start seeing results so really it, rapidly. Great. So, um, I mean, is it like my book where there are things there that people can, the leaders or the, the readers, the, the people for whom this book is written, can actually do something with it? Like, yes. Yeah. Every chapter has reflective practices. Okay, cool. So how can they step into that? And how can they start, you know, you know, just baby steps, taking one activity, taking one process and going through it. So each chapter kind of outlines the, the tenets of, of the importance of, of vision or the importance of appreciative inquiry, positive approaches. And then what could they do to bring that to life? Very good. So just as you have been giving me evidence that my body of work and the application of my book is delivering results to people like you. And I, I have to say, I get this feedback from all over the world, which really delights me. You know, people write to me and tell me stories of how they've used it in a prison in Singapore oh. on the, on the lawns outside the, the German um, Bundestag in Berlin, where they did um, intergenerational conversations. So, you know, I get these stories. It's so wonderful to see the evidence. So, you know, it's really being lived out. And the book is currently being translated into Chinese, which oh. absolutely thrills me. I'm thinking, oh, my God, touching all these Chinese people, how fantastic. Yes, amazing. So, so I'm wondering, um, so, you know, the, I'm curious to know the evidence of um, the work that you're doing. So, you know, what is it that delights you so much about, what, just as I'm sharing what delights me of this body of work, what would be some something that you're looking for in terms of that, you know, in a couple of years' time, you get feedback about what people are saying about the the body of work that you've contributed. So I'm asking you to share a couple of wishes, what that what those wishes might be. Yeah, I, I really to grow. I've, I've, I've been processing this work with leaders for many uh, years now in these eight session leadership groups. So to bring it to a larger group where that feedback of, I now feel connected to my staff in ways I've never been before. We're trying new things. We're trusting each other. The stories that I hear at the end of a, a live series is going to go to a much larger group. That the impact of this work, the impact of taking this positive steps towards change is really going to impact our field in, in a much broader way. But like you, the stories of these individual successes, whether it's a school system or an individual program, that's really feeling the profound impact of the work is absolutely fabulous for me. And that is a huge wish. And then to continue to find ways that the system of strength-based change, of supporting this positive work, can continue and the resources that people need to grow and change become very familiar to our field. Not something that's done in, in business or, you know, I didn't know about this resource. That we really find a way to, to bring this work into the field in a way that it becomes part of the field. Yeah, nice. Yeah, that's what we do it for. You know, it's something that we are hoping will bring positive change across the world. And it starts with, as you said at the opening, you know, there's what, those individual conversations yeah. and the relationships that we develop. Um, and making it fun on the way. Um, all of that is just fabulous. So how might people reach out to you? I'll have some show notes, you know, on, on my website, which links to this and 
and to your website and so on and yes, to your social media. My website has all of the, the information about the book, about the workshop series. So there's a way to connect with me through there or through social media. But I think it's it's really nice to hear from people that want to know more about the work and ways to support the work. And I'm very accessible and love the, the connection of really talking to people. Yeah. And so that website is inspiringnewperspectives.com. Yes. Right. Just in case people are listening um, and they're not kind of sitting down reading this. So, yes, inspiringnewperspectives.com. That's where you'll find more about Susan McDonald and her work. And this is positivitystrategist.com slash PS54. That's the episode um, if people kind of wanted to pass that on to um, their friends and colleagues. So, Susan, is there anything else that you'd like to say by way of conclusion? Something I've not brought out that you would love to share with us? No, I feel like we covered a lot of ground and I think getting a voice to this work is really important to me. So I'm very grateful for the opportunity to share share my stories in collaboration with your wonderful work. Thank you so much. And when you, it's 20, 20, um, late this year, right? It's going to be out your book. It'll so. be in fall 2016. Yep. And the publisher is? Griffin House. Wonderful. Okay. Well, I want to thank you. I want to thank you very much for reaching out to me. I want to thank you for um, helping put my work out in the world. And I wish you great, great success with yours. And just one more thing I just thought about. Um, You know that I mentioned the David L. Cooper Writer Centre of Appreciative Inquiry up at Champlain in Burlington, Vermont. You know there's a big initiative going on there about bringing AI into education. So there might be, you know, there might be some synergies there. It's not far from you in, in Massachusetts. So there might be, might be something that you might like to be part of. There's kind of like a, a national inquiry that's going to be going on about bringing appreciative inquiry more into educational arenas, into schools and education generally. No, I would love to have a voice at that table yeah. for sure. <laughs> well, um, I'll, inter- I'll send you an email, kind of this is probably offline, but I think that could be a great opportunity because you've got a lot of experience and a lot to offer. And, you know, the more we can grow these collaborations and this, this community, the, far, the bigger impact we're going to have. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for that. And any way that we can collaborate and work together to spread this work, anyone with you, anyone that's listening, that's a big excitement. So thanks for giving me a voice to that. Beautiful. Well, thank you very much, Susan, for spending time with me today. Bye now. Bye-bye. Also, you can be notified of new episodes by email. Links to all these suggestions are available on positivitystrategist.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening and remember, what you focus on grows, so grow towards your best.